You're going to showboat, knock down the shot. For what his value is, he doesn't equate to winning basketball. When you're talking about the greatest of greats, that's what you have to do. You have to nitpick. We'll see you in the playoffs. We'll see you in the playoffs. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of the TM Up podcast. We are back. Jarrett with my partner. Got some good news going on this week. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. All things considered, I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's been a fun week at NBA basketball, a lot going on. And uh, my Bulls and your Heat are uh, right now first in the East, kind of duking it out, seeing yeah. who's going to be uh, the coach of the All-Star game, which we should find out tonight Yeah. Um, after the Bulls-Sixers game. Yeah, definitely. And speaking there of the All-Star game, that kind of leads us into our first big news is the NBA announced the reserves this week for the East and West for the upcoming All-Star game. And we just thought, kind of thought we'd take a look at the selections, kind of break everything down. So I'm just going to start here in the East, just kind of list everything off. The reserves were named as James Harden, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine, Fred Van Vliet, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, and Darius Garland. So, Jared, what's your takeaway from these guys from the East? Um, the East had two misses. There were two okay. misses. Let's I completely them. agree with everyone else that's on there. And it was kind of funny when I saw the initial tweet, I think Shams tweeted it out. I, I was, I don't know why, I was expecting to see like Zach Levine named as the first reserved. And then mm -hmm. I saw a couple names that weren't his. And I freaked out for a second. Like, did Levine not get picked? And then I saw it. I'm like, all right, all right, calm down. Anyway, um, my two guys, I'd swap out. Um, I'd swap out Chris Middleton and Fred Van Vliet. I wouldn't have them as all-stars this year. Oh, really? Really? So who, who, who's filling those spots then? Jarrett Allen. And I can't believe Ooh. for the life of me, I am saying this. I would have had LaMelo Ball. I'm not a big LaMelo Ball fan, okay. but I would have had him over Fred Van Vliet. And then Jared Allen, of course, uh, replacing Chris Middleton. Huh. Man, that's that's interesting. Well, the crazy thing is I disagree with one of them that you said, and it's probably not the one that, that you would think. I disagree with the Jared Allen one. Really? I, I really do. Um, So I, I'm i just kind of going to get into it. I made a TikTok this week, and, and it got a little bit of traction on there. And I just want to kind of say it on here. I think us as NBA fans and NBA media and, and everything like that. We need to stop with this whole all-star snubs thing. Every year, it's the same story, man. It's the same, oh, you know, this guy got snubbed. This guy deserved to be on there. What, what's Like, there's 12 spots in each conference. There's going to be good players that are having good seasons going to get left off. That's just the nature of the game. And that's what kind of makes an all-star recognition so valuable is it's not just like, you know, hey, we need to expand it to 15 to 20. Because then it's like, well, he was an all-star, but he was the 20th best player in the conference. That you, you know, like, you have to set a limit to these things. So I understand people's favorite players they want to get in. Obviously, you wanted to see Zach Levine get in, and he definitely deserved it. Don't get me wrong. But I was really excited. Personally, my biggest note was to see Darius Garland get the nod. I think he definitely yes, I was deserved happy to that. See that. I was very excited to see that. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers needed to have some sort of recognition some sort of representation on that team i would have given so i would have removed chris middleton as well this is the only change i would have done i would have removed chris middleton and i would have been okay with either lamella ball or miles bridges i would have been okay with either of those guys it would have and been I, miles bridges i think then yeah and the, middleton's a forward in yeah, uh, the voting right definitely but the way I kind of looked at it, and I can't remember who said this, and I'd, I'd want to give credit to it, but it was one on one of the national – I think it actually might have been Draymond Green on actual TNTs when they were kind of announcing everything, and I agree with it. It was – he thinks Chris Middleton – or not, sorry, LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges split votes from each other. 
they Probably. kind of worked against each other because I think with where the Hornets are, especially in the, in the Eastern Conference, they deserve to have some representation on there. I think Chris Middleton, definitely, if you left him off, I don't think there's a lot of people besides Bucks fans that are saying he deserves to be an all-star. So I think that's kind of the main one I'd get, you could get away with. And it, who were you removing for, for Jared Allen? I forget. Uh, well, I was re- uh, removing Chris Middleton for Jared Allen. I'm okay. removing Fred Van Fleet Fred for Van Fleet. Ball. Oh, that's a tough one. It's man. it's close, but I, I just think LaMelo's um, affects his team. No, more. I get you. Because in my personal opinion, I think the Toronto Raptors have more guys that are going to make your team a winning team than the Hornets, whereas yeah. LaMelo Ball has essentially come in and changed that franchise overnight. Sure, Miles Bridges has gotten better this year. Sure, they have a savvy veteran like Gordon Hayward, but top to bottom, I, I think that Raptors seems better. And there's yeah. not a huge difference with uh, – LaMelo Balls and uh, Fred Van Vliet's stats. I think uh, Van Vliet's averaging like 21 and seven, but then LaMelo's averaging um, 19 and then nearly eight and eight. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really close, but I, I want to give my tip of the hat to, uh, yeah. oh, I'm not wearing a hat today. That's weird. <laughs> but uh, my uh, hypothetical tip of the hat to yeah. LaMelo Ball. I see where you're going. I just, I, I really, I see where you're going. I would give my edge to Fred Van Vliet because I'd also, you know, I guess if I'm leaning the way that I'm leaning, if if I just had like it was my say and I'm taking out Chris Middleton, I guess I'm putting in Miles Bridges. So I guess I'm still leaving out LaMelo Ball. But the way I look at it, man, Fred Van Fleet, I don't think the Toronto Raptors are I mean, right now they're the seventh seed in the East, only a half game behind Brooklyn, which we'll touch on Brooklyn a little bit later. What's what's going on with them? But I think Fred Van Fleet's really been the driving force of that team. I think he's oh, sure, really yeah. kind of taken on that leadership role. Pascal Siakam really hasn't become what we thought he was going to be just a few years ago. We thought we looked at him as like a Giannis Antetokounmpo type player. Like he was on that trajectory and he really hasn't reached up to it. But yeah, I, I think overall there's there's not a lot. I mean, obviously a couple changes for you, one change for me. But I, I'm not going to lose sleep over this whole snub thing, man. I think us as NBA media, we need to get better at that. It's just, hey, these guys deserve it. Obviously, there's a few guys. I mean, if, does anybody really think LaMelo Ball is not going to make an all-star team in his career? Oh, he will eventually. Yeah. I think these guys will, will have a shot. I, and, and that's the thing with, like, guys like Darius Garland. Like, I was really excited to see him get that opportunity because I feel like a lot of the times players like him and on the team that's having a surprising season might get overlooked, and I was glad to see that he didn't. So, in the East, yeah. not 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 too much to complain about there. I but. will have to say I fully expect Jared Allen to be an all-star, um, probably that 13th guy with KD yeah. not playing. I, I think that's probably who they're going to go with, unless – Adam Silver wants Hornets to be represented and he chooses Miles Miles Bridges, Mm -hmm. but I still think it should be Jared Allen. Yeah. So that that decision is Silver, right? Correct. Yeah. He's he's making the reserves decisions. Definitely. Definitely. So uh, moving on to the the West, and the reserves were announced as Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Draymond Green, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. So, Jared, what did you think of the West? Um, I, I really, I agree with that. I don't have really anyone in mind that would change. Um, Draymond Green has announced that he's not going to be playing in the All-Star game, yeah. I believe. Yeah, so made that, yeah. um, it's, I'm trying to think off the top of my head who I would swap in in his place, but I, I really can't think of anybody. And, well, and the thing is, because he's a forward, people could call me a homer, but I guess Anthony Davis. I know he hasn't played I mean, a lot. I, I know. I get it. But I'm just saying if you're going to the next best forward in the league, a lot of the best forwards are already up there. 
Yeah, that's you know, the like, thing. That forward position is not deep. I mean, you don't have Paul George. You don't have Kawhi Leonard. Exactly. So, so there's a lot of guys missing. Um, I guess in theory, you could go with Anthony Davis. Um, I'm just trying to run through the teams in my head right it's, now. It's it's not yeah, an easy it's, one. It's There's not a lot of guys that, especially in that forward position, I mean, there's a lot of guards that, that you could you could kind of fit in there, but that's the problem. Oh no, Anthony Edwards is a guard. I he technically kind of plays three. That's what I was thinking. Time. Like you could you could fit in in there if you wanted to, and that's kind of the thing where it comes down to is I get it that I I liked it they changed it so it's not five positions anymore. It's just you know guards and forwards makes yeah. it a little bit easier. But when you're talking about some of these, it does suck and. I think this is the list that it was always going to be in the West. I don't I think agree. there's any surprises on this one. I was happy to see Carl Anthony Towns get his nod. I think he definitely deserved that. Uh, the four guards to me were a lock. You know, Luca, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Donovan Mitchell. Those guys are really hard yeah, to argue. Doubt. I mean, you could have you could make an argument with pretty much any four of them. Maybe not Devin Booker to be a starter. Just the guards position is just so hard because there's only two positions. Um, and if I could do this without position, I would remove Draymond and I would add in DeJounte Murray. I think DeJounte Murray's had a great year. I know DeJounte Murray's a guard and Draymond's a four. That's where the problem comes into. You know, Murray's just – I would love to see him get the nod, and that's the problem with guards in the West is there's just so many great It's always ones. been it's, so good. It's hard to break through, but Murray's – you know, he's just been great this year, passing, scoring, leading the Spurs. I think it's better for the league to have a rep from, you know, a middle team in that Western Conference than having a third player from one of their best teams in Draymond. You know who uh, DeJounte Murray, um, I could see a kind of career trajectory uh, as long as he most likely would stay with the San Antonio Spurs. Mm -hmm. In terms of accolades, we might say Mike Conley situation. Mike Conley was a phenomenal yeah. all-star level guard for a number of seasons, never got selected until last season in a season where – DeMar DeRozan definitely should have got his spot in, in that all-star game, but I think it was kind of like a, a lifetime achievement all-star selection. Yeah. Um, like, so I'm glad Mike Conley will go down as an all-star player, but last season was not a season. Like, it was a fine season, but he just wasn't, like, I don't know. He he shouldn't have been selected. Yeah. I, I this is just a tough one, man, because the Spurs to me is just kind of overlooked. I mean, obviously, they always haven't been, have been. They haven't been a great team, obviously, since their dynasty, which they definitely had a dynasty in the NBA. It's just DeJounte Murray. He's just he's he's the silent killer, man. He's he just kind of really goes good. out there. He's kind of like he reminds me a lot of a little bit more efficient and less flashy Shea Gilgis Alexander for OKC Thunder. He's a little bit more efficient. Plays, obviously, under a Popovich, so the, we know the type of players that he likes to have, especially leading his offense, being that leading point guard. is He's been great. So if I could make one change, I would love to see DeJounte Murray get the nod. The only problem I run into is, obviously, I can't kick any of those four cards out, so then I move to Draymond. But, you know, obviously, the, the rules are rules, so it it's, that's, it's a tough one, man. But I think... Overall, you know, I, I love this all-star game. I think it's going to be cool. We're going to have the draft here coming up soon, which LeBron and KD are going to be picking their teams as the captains. And LeBron's 4-0 as a captain since they kind of changed to this. So we'll see if this is the year that'll finally change it. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see. It's it's going to be a fun time. I know a lot of people look forward to, to all-star weekend. So I'm just happy to see two Bulls in the all-star game for the first <laughs> time in like six years. Shout yeah. out to Jimmy Butler and Pau Gasol. Yeah. Man, I would have loved to see a second Heat player, but obviously Bam out of bio. You know, he's been injured. I completely respect that. 
would love to see a little bit noise about Tyler Hero making the All-Star game, but I, I understand. If a I couple guards it. can't play, it wouldn't be yeah. uh, far-fetched. Uh, I, I, I understand the decision, but, you know, I think I think his play has been fantastic, obviously. But, oh, man. So that's kind of our coverage there on the All-Star game. Now we want to move on to the next main event that's kind of coming up here in the NBA, and that's the trade deadline. So still a few days away, not too far away at this point. But My favorite holiday of the rumors, year. Rumors, man. Rumors have been flying all over the place. And we did have a pretty significant trade go down this week between the Trailblazers and the Clippers. The Blazers sent Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers in exchange for Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second-round pick. So, Jared, what does this trade mean for both these teams? Um, this means that the Clippers are doing two things. A, they're preparing for a potential return for um, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, or possibly both players. Um, they're also setting themselves up for next season as Norman Powell is on a four-year $90 million deal. And um, he's a fantastic piece. He's a solid defensive player, and he can get you some buckets when you need them. So he's a perfect player to uh, put around these guys where I think we've seen a weaker Clippers bench than we've seen in the past couple of years. It's not like when... Kawhi Leonard and Paul George uh, joined the team and they had Lou Will and uh, I was think Gallinari might have still been on the team like that was a really solid team they got yeah, inserted into and- yeah but now a lot of those guys are gone so I think the Clippers what they're doing is they're bolstering back up their uh, their bench which they desperately need and finding some role players that could maybe even start alongside these guys for the Trailblazers it's the beginning of the end of the Damian Lillard era and that trade's clear because obviously um, nothing they got back equals what they lost in return. I mean, it does clear some cap space because, I mean, we all saw that Powell contract come in this summer. We're like, this is what they're getting for Damian Lillard? Like, really? Um, I don't know if that means that Lillard is moved before the deadline. I don't even know if that's Lillard uh, being moved before the summer. Um, but it, it definitely spells uh, a change in, in the Northwest. Yeah, first off, before I kind of get into my breakdown, I just want to give a shout out to Jerry West, who just continues to be one of the best general managers or front office guys in the league. He stole these players, man. This 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 was Great ridiculous. Trade. For the Clippers, this to me was surprising following that, you know, the announcement. Because the announcement I heard is that the team does not expect Kawhi Leonard to be back at all this season. So I it was surprising to hear hey, our best player is not going to be back this season, or we do not expect him to be back this season. And knowing Kawhi Leonard, I think more often than not, he's got a history of coming back late instead of coming back early. He doesn't seem to be the type of guy who's going to come back. back. He's not going to be coming back early from injuries. And also where they currently sit at the West. I know right now they're sitting in the playoff position. They're sitting in that eighth spot, I believe. But this is a steal for the Clippers. You know, they got two very solid role players, good on the defensive end. They can go get you a bucket. And they gave up a few guys that really weren't contributing at all. I mean, Eric Bledsoe, I think, was averaging like seven points a game. He was playing maybe 20 minutes a night. Justice Winslow, when he plays, wasn't really giving him much. You know, this to me, this was a little go-for-it move to really improve their depth. And I was surprised to see that. And for the Blazers, you're exactly right. This should have been a wake-up call to Damian Lillard. He should have woke up, saw this trade, and really start the gears turning in his mind like, hey – do I need to force my way out of Portland? And I know this is something a lot of NBA fans have wanted to see for a long time. We want to see Damian Lillard contend for a championship. It's just not going to happen in Portland in his time. Damon's made it clear he wants to stay in Portland, wants the front office to build around him. 
this was a terrible move for the Blazers moving forward. And it seemed like they mortgaged their future while Dame wants to win now. And it doesn't make sense. It's like a, it's a change in mindset from your star player to what the front office is trying to do. And I don't understand it from their perspective. So Dame, if you're listening, and I seriously doubt that you are, get out of Portland. Like, I hate to see you wasting your prime. No chance to win a championship. And I think Portland fans will understand, man. You'll still be beloved in Portland. You're a legend there. You will be. Everybody wants to see you compete in the NBA, try to win that championship. Just go make your move. Because unless you go to the front office and say, trade me, they're never going to do it. You know what hurts even more for Portland fans? If you think about this trade, Norman Powell was essentially swapped for Gary Trent Jr. Yeah. Gary Trent Jr. is balling. balling Absolutely balling. Insane. And, uh, well, essentially what you have for Gary Trent Jr. is Eric a couple of second-round picks, Eric Bledsoe for a season. And Justice Winslow. I, I don't even think Justice Winslow will be on the roster by the end of the season. Yeah, which I love Justice Winslow, former Miami Heat, but um, – He's had a tough career. Yeah. I saw with – I think I saw a graphic with Gary Trent Jr. how, you know, he had four 30-point games in his career, and then in the last two weeks he's had five. Yeah, like he's it seems like every night, like all of a sudden Portland's become a team to watch in the Eastern Conference. It's like, wait a minute. Fred Van Fleet's now an all star. Gary Trent Jr. is apparently a 30 point a night guy, which I never saw coming. Now you got Pascal Siakam, who's a third option. It seems like the Raptors, there's something about them. It's like it's like a 2K glitch or something where if like a random low free agent goes to the team, all of a sudden their rating explodes to like an 85 overnight. Like we saw this happen with Siakam coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Fred Van Fleet is an all-star now after going undrafted. Um, I, I mean, I still remember going to uh, Windy City Bulls games and the Raptors 905 came in and Fred mm-hmm. Van Fleet was there and there was like a crowd of uh, Toronto fans or not Toronto fans or Rockford fans because he's yeah. from Rockford, Illinois, which is not too far away from where I grew up. And like, so that's like, that's where this guy started. Now he's an all-star. Toronto's just exceptional at developing talent. They really are. I don't know they, how they do they, it. It's I mean, they find these guys, man. It's I don't know where they get them from. They just I mean, look at look at DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Yeah. Like they were one of they were probably the best backcourt in the NBA that wasn't the Golden State Warriors for a number of years. Yeah. Toronto's got a great track record at picking up these guys that no one really thinks is going to do anything, making them pop. And I will say Miami with a second round draft pick is dangerous too, with the guys yeah. that they find in the second round. And the, and the Bulls, shout out Io DeSumo. Yeah, he's been balling, man. He's he's Dude, been doing. He's great. a lottery pick. Yeah, he's a lottery pick. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh man! Aside from what we think, Damian Lillard should be doing from now on with the trade deadline quickly approaching, Jared, I'm curious. With all the rumors kind of going around. Do you feel this may be the time over these next few days that we'll see big names like Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, or even Damian Lillard on the move, or is this all just a bunch of rumors? You asked me this question five days ago. Yeah. I would say I'm not expecting much from this free agency, but there is a lot of smoke out there, and we may see some fires break out by the time this trade deadline passes. Um, with uh, James Harden and the, uh, the Nets situation going on to where the Nets and Sixers are engaging in Ben Simmons talks, we're talking about the Wizards falling apart where they want to get – they're probably going to get rid of Spencer Dinwiddie one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they keep saying they're committed to Bradley Beal, but let's face it. If this year wasn't working with Bradley Beal, it's never going to work. What do they think is going to happen? I mean, Bradley Beal, 
he's a, an exceptional player, but he's not a number one guy. You're not going to win with him. You're not going to compete. It might look nice for a few seconds when you're what 10 and four at top of the East, mm. but we're long past that. There are a lot of teams that should consider blowing it up this year. Um, I don't know if every one of these is going to happen. Some teams could be playing coy and not leaking to the media what their real plans are. Um, the Wizards are going to make a move. I don't know if it's the Bradley Beal move, which I think they should do. I hope. Um, you got the Knicks potentially wanting to get rid of Julius Randle already because uh, that situation has become mm-hmm. bad. That would be like if they can hold out with Randle for the rest of the season and somehow convince Portland to swap Damian Lillard and uh, maybe they send them Randle and a few other things, that would be ideal for the Knicks because I know the Knicks want Damian Lillard as bad as they probably want Zion Williamson. Yeah, Knicks want everybody, man. Yeah, I will, Knicks have always wanted everybody. I mean, yeah. if they could, they'd have the 1992 dream team on the roster right now. <laughs> um, but I, I think we're going to see the most eventful uh, trade deadline since probably 2015 when we saw three-team trade after three-team trade. Yeah. Yeah, it's very possible. Obviously, it's coming up here this week, so we might, who knows? We might have a couple special episodes where things start going crazy. We might hop on here and give you guys some bonus episodes. But Bradley Beal, to me, is just in the same boat as Damian Lillard, man. He's been unexplainably loyal to the Wizards, a team that's really given him no chance to compete for a title. I think it was – it might have even been last year or two years ago where he, like, almost led the league in scoring or did lead, lead the league in scoring. He's up there with, like, 31, maybe even 32 yeah. points per game. But the only way Beal leaves is if he goes to the front office and requests a trade, and that's – I don't see that happening. You know, I want it to, but I don't think it will. And I've been a proponent for Beal leaving for a few years ago – or since a few years ago, I wanted – and I was – it was a pipe dream, and I thought it was never going to happen. I thought when LeBron and AD were kind of looking before, obviously, the, this whole Russell Westbrook situation, when they were looking for that third guy – and they're like, hey, we're going to trade a bunch of, you know, kind of our younger guys, the Kuzmas, the KCPs. I wanted Bradley Beal. I was like, that's the perfect fit alongside AD and LeBron. Obviously, at the time, Bradley Beal didn't want to get traded. Who knows what the asking price would have been. They probably couldn't fill it anyways. But that was what I thought was going to be the perfect situation. They traded for, for the wrong wizard. They really did. They traded with the Wizards. They traded for the wrong Wizard. Maybe they could have thrown in another draft pick or something. They could have got no. Taylor Horton Tucker's way too valuable to get rid of. <sighs> I mean, obviously they have to keep him. Do whatever you have to do. Move on from Caruso. You have to keep Tht. Yeah. Very well, right, important. Now, right now, the third most valuable Laker is Malik Monk, and the fourth one is Austin Reeves. So, <laughs> who would have uh, thought? Yeah, exactly. But wild season. You know, this the Simmons to Brooklyn kind of intrigues me, but I think this would be this would make Brooklyn even worse. And I'll touch on this a little bit later. But at this point, I don't see any, I don't really see any of these big names leaving town in the next four days. For all I know, we could wake up to a Woj bomb and things could go absolutely crazy because that's just how things seem to happen during the trade deadline. But right now, if you ask me, I think this is all smoke. I think this is all smoke and mirrors. I don't see Ben Simmons leaving right now. I don't see Damian Lillard leaving right now. Obviously, Damian Lillard being hurt puts a little, you know, wrench into things. And I don't see Bradley Beal leaving. And I don't see James Harden leaving before the trade deadline. I think I see James Harden leaving in free agency after this year. Yes. I don't I don't see him leaving before the trade deadline because I think Brooklyn looks at it as, hey, that's not going to make us better. So, I think the league's in a position where the competing teams like what they have and they will look to add a lot of solid role players, but I don't think they want to disrupt kind of their main chemistry with the addition of new stars. That's just how I see this trade trade deadline going, unfortunately, which doesn't make the big headlines, but that's just kind of the way that I see it unfolding. 
Oh, man. So after an eventful game last night, so we're recording this here on Sunday, so a Saturday night game, the Lakers got a much-needed win over the Knicks in overtime. But, Jared, I kind of took a step back, and I wanted to put this Lakers season into perspective for everybody out there. And A lot of people have seen it as pretty much of a dud so far, but I have kind of an interesting take on the Lakers that I kind of wanted to share with you and kind of get your opinion. Go so, for it. I don't think the Lakers should have ever been considered title favorites. I think the media carved this title into them while looking at the names on the roster and not the players that they had on the roster. The level of expectation every year with the team containing LeBron, LeBron James for the past 15 years or so has always been championship or bust. That's what we expect from LeBron, especially a team that he has a large part in controlling kind of the makeup of the team. This has been magnified by him being a Los Angeles Lakers. And to me, the Lakers roster-wise is a slightly worse, worse team than the L.A. Clippers roster besides their top two players. And we saw that just a few nights ago when, you know, LeBron was out. Obviously, uh, Paul George and, and Kawhi were out. The Clippers, they just looked better overall, like they had a deeper bench. But we always expect LeBron to compete. That's the respect that we always give to him. I don't think this team has been a complete failure. I think they're a team that had, has had a lot of off-season additions and their main players haven't been healthy. And I think we forget that and don't really use that as, you know, it's LeBron. I don't care. He should be at the top of the conference. They haven't been healthy. Even when LeBron's been playing, he hasn't had his second best player. And that's just fact. They have not played together. That's it. They're not a bottom tier team with this geriatric players that can no longer play. I get it. They're the oldest roster in the, in, in the NBA. I think the media is overreacting, overreacting to this Lakers season and barring the health of LeBron and AD come playoff time if this team is able to make it to the playoffs. I guarantee that no team besides maybe the Suns are going to feel great about a matchup against the Los Angeles Lakers, all health considered. Giving their health and new additions, I think it's it hasn't been a complete failure. And in fact, I think the way that they look at it internally and with the guys in that locker room, they feel that they're right on track. So what say you? Um, I understand where you're coming from, but um, even though I I was kind of in the early in the season or before the season started, I was kind of in the uh, the camp where it was like, okay, I don't think the Westbrook fit's gonna work. I didn't think it'd be this bad, but I was expecting more on the Westbrook side of things not to work. But to me. The team has been more dysfunctional beyond Westbrook. Um, and I think it was fair for people to kind of project the Lakers as a favorite. Clearly in free agency, with the moves they were making, they were loading up because they believed if we load up this roster, we're going to contend. Now, I'm not saying that it was some of the best moves because clearly like a lot of older players leads to a lot of missed games. We're even seeing this with LeBron, which is mm -hmm. there's no... I can't even come up with the words for it. You're just not used to seeing LeBron out this much. Um, and the way I look at it is you saw the Suns coming into the season. Still, some people were still not convinced that them going to the finals was what should have happened. People were like, oh, the injuries to Kawhi, the injuries to the Jazz uh, with Donovan Mitchell. Like, um, so we were now we know the Suns are a legit team. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no Without debate about it. 
Um, you look at the Warriors coming into this season. We didn't expect the emergence of Jordan Poole. We didn't expect Andrew Wiggins to put up an all-star year. And we were kind of out on Draymond Green ever returning to as effective of a player as he was. Like, <laughs> if I could have put money on Draymond becoming an all-star this year, I wish I could go back and do that now. Because I bet if there were odds on that, yeah. it wasn't too good. What about Wiggins as an all-star starter? Put oh, some money on that one. <laughs> exactly. There you go. I disagree with it, but yeah, put some money on that one. Oh no, he shouldn't be a starter. He sh- all star, sure. Starter, no. Um, the Grizzlies, we did not expect this from John Morant. We did not expect this from the Grizzlies team. My God, they're a pleasant surprise. Um, we kind of expected the Jazz t- to be good, but like, come on, who are you gonna take in a LeBron uh versus the Jazz series? Yeah. And that's another thing. You it's hard to doubt a LeBron James led team, like you said. No team wants to see the Lakers in the playoffs. It, it, the Lakers could be the eighth, ninth, or tenth yeah. seed, get through the playing game. Still, no team's going to want to see them, except maybe the Suns. Because I, I exactly, as, I think, yeah, I think the Suns said. will feel great if they have a matchup against the Lakers. They yeah. have the size, they have the guard play. I like them, obviously, in that matchup. But I think even the Warriors wouldn't feel comfortable. Actually, against the Lakers. I was going to say, I, I'm not worried about the Warriors against the Lakers. I think, I think they're fine. Curry has played LeBron several times in the playoffs in his career. This Warriors team is fast. They're athletic. Mm-hmm. They're healthier. I, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Um, they also have some size, too. Kayvon Looney, James Wiseman, if we ever see him touch the court this year, which feels like is never going to happen, but yeah. I, he'll be here. Um, the Warriors and the Suns, I am completely confident. In. Now, if, like, let's say the Lakers get up to the sixth seed, which could very well happen, um, if the Grizzlies stay in the third seed, that's a tough series. That yeah. that's like that's a, a series I'd be willing to put upset money on. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's um, I just Lakers are definitely underwhelmed in expectations. But I, I I completely agree, or I completely understand with some people on why they thought the Lakers were contenders. Um, it's just didn't turn out that way. Yeah, I and to be honest, I'm I'm not giving up on them you know i'm not going to say i'm not writing them off by any means no way are they sort of the favorite and i get it you're going to say it's it's lebron it's the home you know that's who i am i'm a big fan of lebron james and i understand that but to me i mean and it always comes with these qualifiers if lebron's healthy if he's on the court and doing what he's doing and if ad can return to the level that he was playing at in the bubble and and i I hate the people out there that are, it seems like every single champion every year, there's a group of people and it might even be the same group of people that are always trying to put an asterisk on every title because of one person got hurt. And listen, it happens every year. If you won a championship, you deserved it. I don't care. A championship's a championship. And to me, for people to say like, Oh, the Lakers, they, they won the Disney you know, the bubble title, a championship's a championship. Everyone was playing under the same rules. They were the last team standing, and they beat my favorite team, Miami Heat, fair and square, in in the finals when Jimmy Butler was giving them everything that he could possibly give them. Like, they won it fair and square. But if AD can return to the level he was playing at in that bubble, which, since returning from his injury, his last three games has looked great. That is the AD the Lakers need to, to be a contender. With AD playing that way, with LeBron playing that way, heck, if Malik Monk can continue to play the way that he's playing, he's with, all of a sudden – go ahead, go ahead. With Westbrook on the bench in clutch minutes. Yeah. No, for <laughs> real. Westbrook can give you minutes 
But come those last six minutes, I want to see him on the bench as of right now, especially with the confidence that he's shooting. I'd rather have THC. I'd rather have Avery Bradley out there, especially on the defensive end. At least he can knock down a corner three every once in a while and not bank it off the backboard and, yeah. and have it fly all the way to the free throw line. But, no, I, I'm not giving up on this team quite yet. I think these last few games, I get it, they lost uh, the couple the, to the Clippers. I feel like they should have won. They won this game last night, had to go to overtime, tried to give it away there at the end against the Knicks. I'll give it to R.J. Barrett. He was, he was balling last Phenomenal. night. Phenomenal. Looked great. But these Lakers teams, you know, they can go on a run. They definitely could. Their schedule is easing up a little bit. They're starting to have a few more days rest, which is good for LeBron, obviously his knee. He talked a little bit after the game, which is the way the schedule falls. I don't think they play again until Tuesday. So he has uh, th- basically, you know, two and a half days to kind of rest everything up, make sure his knee is good to go, which didn't look like it was disrupting him last night at all. But um, I'm not ready to give up on this Lakers team. I think it's definitely a, a team that could surprise some guys. I know they're kind of upset, obviously, being a one and done last year when they when they showed up in the in the playoffs. Well, kind of in the playoffs and. I don't, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm not ready to give up yet. I, I think they, they could go on a run. I think they have the talent in those two top guys where they go into most series. And if you're just going with well, which team has the best player, if LeBron's there, they still have the best player in the West. I agree. They're still a threat. Definitely. Oh, man. So moving on from one of the middle teams there in the West to what used to be the top team in the East just a few weeks ago. How the turns table. We got to talk, talk about the Brooklyn Nets, man. The Nets have lost seven straight now. They've won just two of their last 10 games. They sit in the sixth spot in the East, just a half came above the Toronto Raptors. James Harden has been the center of trade rumors with him and Ben Simmons. Kyrie has been almost a non-factor. And Jared, I'm just going to leave it open-ended. What's going on with the Nets? Well, what's going on right now is they really have none of their stars. I forget if tonight is a home or an away game, which basically – that will tell us whether they win or lose tonight because James Harden's out with another yeah. hamstring injury, uh, kind of the same injury he was uh, that was keeping him out uh, the post in the postseason and uh, early in parts of this season. Um, it's it's not good. This <laughs> is the worst case, and they are funny. at they are at Denver today. Just the so two. At Denver. Okay, so Kyrie will be playing. So they have a chance because I'm like, uh, well, we better see 2014 LaMarcus Aldridge or something tonight if the Nets <laughs> want a chance to not make it eight in a row. Uh, that is losses. Um, it's this is it's funny how for both the Nets and the Lakers, it's basically been a worst case scenario seasons thus far. Um, and the Nets clearly KD going down with an injury. I mean, he'll be back at some point, but it's just his team's not going to leave him in a good position for when he comes back. He's probably going to have to do a lot of leg work. And depending on how much time's left, I mean, luckily for now, the East is really close to where they come back or KD comes back and they're like a seventh, eighth seed. The East should still be pretty close to where they knock off a couple of wins and they're back up to a, one of the higher seeds. I don't think they'll get back up to as high as first, but who knows? Um, it's, it's just, it's not looking good. I, I don't fully believe James Harden's going to get moved because, again, I'm, I'm seeing reports that the Sixers are asking for way too much to the point where they blatantly want a swap, a straight-up swap for Harden yeah. and Simmons and don't understand why they would have to give up more for James Harden. Um, I could give you a number of reasons, but I feel like it's kind of redundant to even list any because it's James Harden. Yeah, the Nets want Maxi. That's really who they want. They want Tyrese Maxey. 
Yeah. Yeah. And a trade. They want an addition. Yeah. Now, if I were the Sixers, I'd, if you are going to go for this trade, I try to find any reason not to trade Maxi um, and offer up whatever picks, whatever other players you have to. If you could somehow swindle the Nets into taking uh, mm. Tobias Harris's contract, go for <laughs> it. Um, but I don't think the Nets are would probably be too interested, um, especially because uh, they have they have forwards. So yeah, yeah um, I'd I'd try not to trade Maxi. I'd say I would give up Thibel if they would take Thibel. Yeah, I, I'd do that. You know, I would do. I, I like Matisse a lot, but I, I think at this point, you'd rather hang on to, to Maxi. So, yeah, I mean, Matisse Thibel is going to be a great player in a playoff series um, on the defensive end. But like if it's the difference of James Harden's offense and uh, moving on from Ben Simmons and get, having to give up the defensive powers that uh, Matisse Thibel possesses, then go for it. Yeah. And yeah. especially to keep Maxi. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is bad, man. And we touched on this a few weeks ago where we were very worried when KD went down. I think we both said we expected this team to drop in the Eastern Conference. I don't know if we expected them to drop this quickly. This is much worse. But we both said, hey, you know, this is something to keep your eye on. This is code red. This is quickly yes. becoming a real reason to panic. And my perception of this team, and people will say that, you know, I'm such a LeBron guy that maybe I don't pay respects to Kevin Durant. I'm going to give my props to Kevin Durant right now. My perception of this team is that KD was good enough to carry average play and dysfunction when he's healthy. Like, if anything, this made this has made me respect Kevin Durant. Like, it, this team looked like the absolute favorite in Helps Eastern Conference. No, it really does. If, you know, depending on how much time he comes back in. But he fantastic. Without KD, this is a mess. W or with KD out, this is a mess. And I don't know if we we've touched on this quite a few times, but I was kind of looking at the numbers and everything. Kyrie refusing to get vaccinated has severely hurt this team. Severely. Yes. They are 12 and 13 at home. That's in, they're below 500. This is including games with KD. They're 12 and 13 at home. They're a below average home team with Kevin Durant, James Harden, and supposed to be Kyrie Irving. He severely hurt this team from his, I'm going to go ahead and say it's selfishness. Yes. In my mind. And the fact that it's not even that he's against a vaccine, which almost just makes it worse. He doesn't have an objection. for many reasons. He doesn't have an objection to the vaccine, which I get it. People have their own thoughts. He has an objection to the mandate. He said if it wasn't for the mandate, he might be vaccinated. To me, that is absolute selfishness. They are, a, they are such a top-heavy team. Kyrie is so important to their success. And off the court, I think Kyrie is ridiculous. On the court, he's an all-pro caliber player, and he gets buckets, and that's what they need. And now apparently James Harden's pissed with the front office. And by the time KD gets back, who knows? He could be playing in Philly, and KD is having to deal with Ben Layup Simmons and having to deal with everything that he brings to the table. The, the fact that the media has been so focused on the perceived downfall of the Lakers and not trying to cover what's going on in Brooklyn right now to me is – alarming to me this is worse than la la at least we have lebron we got ad as long yes. as we're healthy we're going to be good this is worse the brooklyn is in a complete free fall from the top of the east and i don't know how where the bottom is going to be i don't know where they're going to bottom out yeah um i will say though about a potential ben simmons trade um i think ben simmons isn't a bad fit for the Sixers because there's really no floor spacing problems because kd and kyrie are perimeter players mm -hmm. 
So that allows Ben Simmons to be Ben Simmons and not get in a player like Joel Embiid's way. So I'd be really interesting to see. I'd be really interested to see that fit. I ju- I still don't think the trade's going to happen. No. Um, but uh, I have to say it's this situation is so bad. Um, I saw this tweet today and I, I, for the life of me, can't remember who tweeted it. So I can't give the correct credit, but um, I saw something um, where it's like KD left the wife who kept things at the house in order for two Instagram models. And I think that is the perfect way to describe the situation. Yeah. Just it's, it's so bad. If you look at where the warriors are right now and you look at what KD left, like to me, like, LeBron, people compare LeBron leaving and KD leaving, and, and because we haven't really up until then seen superstars kind of control their path like these two kind of have. I don't blame KD. I mean, at the time I did. Right now, looking back, he left OKC, and at the time it really sucked. He went to the Warriors, which I thought, man, you're going to such a great team. To me, it says more that he left the Warriors, especially in the situation that they're in now, to go play with Kyrie and just go have fun in Brooklyn because it's like, man, you could have really cemented your legacy and continue to climb that ladder of the best players to ever do it. And to me, this is a big like, hey, he chose not to play with structure. He chose not to play with champions. He chose to go be the number one guy, even though he was the number one guy in the Warriors. And shout out to Steph Curry for kind of taking that step back. But this is glaring. Like this is this is a problem. And when you're starting to nitpick, that's going to be a black mark on his resume. I mean, it's it kind of feeds into the narrative that KD's kind of his own worst enemy because, I mean, he wasn't completely happy in Golden State because he just pays too much attention to social media. Yeah. I mean, people telling him, oh, this is a weak move. Oh, he can't win on his own. And this was essentially his big, all right, middle finger to you. I'm going to go elsewhere and win. So I'm going to leave the best situation in NBA history to do yeah. that. And he goes with LeBron's former running mate, who's the reason why LeBron isn't on the Cavaliers today. Because Kyrie essentially destroyed two franchises on his way to Brooklyn. I mean, he did. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, the Cavs are the best they've been since I would say Mark Price and Brad Doherty were on the Cavaliers without having LeBron James on the team. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Celtics are, they don't know. The Celtics don't know who they are um, and what they're going to do. Uh, and Kyrie's just, he leaves a mess in his wake and Brooklyn is his latest victim and it's an ongoing, it's a slow death. It is a slow (laughs) death right now, but Brooklyn is dying. Honestly, I don't know what's worse. This or that 2013 Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry trade. Yeah. Yeah. They're still trying to get over that one, man. I thought they had, but maybe not. Maybe not, man. Uh, that brings us here to our final segment on the TM up podcast. And that's our favorite segment, which is. Team up, so we're going to pass out some technical fouls. So, Jared, who are you teeing up this week? Well, I'm teeing up one of the guys that was throwing tees last night. I'm throwing up a technical foul to the refs of that Cleveland Cavaliers-Charlotte Hornets game. Oh, my God. What's, what's <clears throat> it been with refs and sports and whistles and just the eh. – okay, so there was a clear whistle that blew the play dead. I forget who it was, hit a three from – or want to attempt to shoot a three from the corner. And Ed Davis, uh, the Cavaliers forward who was sitting on the bench, like reached over the boundary line and like touched. Oh, it's Terry Rogier who shot the three from the corner. So he went over and touched Terry Rogier. The ref, after the play's already blown dead, 
blows his whistle and then tees up Ed Davis and gives the Hornets the three points. Even though Terry Rozier missed the practice three-pointer that you see players do as like clockwork after every blown whistle just to get like a little extra shot up, they gave the Cavs, they called it goaltending, which is ridiculous. And then, of course, technical free throw. Charlotte goes and makes another free throw. And it's like four over just over four minutes left in a very close game. This was a one-point game, but I think it was 103-102, thankfully in the Cavs' favor. Yeah. Uh, but essentially, Charlotte got four free points for a ref that was incompetent. I have zero tolerance for bad refing. This is why I'm such a big fan, even though it slows games down, whether it's in the NFL or NBA, of instant replays. Because... I don't care how long it takes. The call, I want the calls right because I've yeah. been a fan burned too many times by by refs that just can't do their job. Yeah. So I am teaming. I'm teeing up that ref. I don't care what your name is. I don't care to <laughs> learn it. I'm teeing you up. I'm not even going to give you the justice of having your name. Oh man. Yeah, that's not my technical foul, but kind of going off of what you said when I was watching the Knicks and Lakers game last night, where um, I, I, it, it sucks because it technically was a foul. I, I'll give it to him. But when LeBron kind of jumped almost over Julius Randle and at 37 years old has entire forearm above above the rim and blocked the shot, I, to me, I saw a tweet that's like, I don't care if it was a foul. You do not call a foul on LeBron. I James saw that one too. When he's doing this. And then also, and then when he tried, LeBron tried to close out the game in overtime when he had the, the put back dunk and they called that it, it was still over the rim. And it's like, man. Come on, just, just let it go. The, the I'm surprised the crowd didn't have a bigger reaction, knowing it's LeBron there playing at home and he's trying to get the win, obviously, over the Knicks, which everybody likes beating the Knicks. But uh, I, we my, <laughs> they do. My technical foul I'm giving up is going way back to November 8th. And I know you're thinking, Jace, what are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about, Jace? I'm going to go back to a game that happened between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat on November 8th. Oh. You might remember. You might remember what happened in that game. Nikola Jokic was fouled by Markeith Morris on looked like kind of a breakaway. And Markeith kind of came up to him and kind of hip checked him a little bit. It was a little bit harder foul. Nikola Jokic then decided to completely charge his seven foot, I don't even know how many pounds he weighs, frame. He's a big boy. Straight at the back of Markeith Morris. That to me we didn't talk enough about how dangerous of a play that was. And every week that goes by to me, I'm reminded a little bit more of it. Markeith Morris has yet to play a game since that instance. Insane. He has been suffering from whiplash from being hit by a, I don't even know, 280 pound seven foot man charging and hitting him square in the back when he was walking away. Technical foul on Nikola Jokic, because to me, we kind of said, oh, Markeith Morris, you know, because the Morris twins have a little bit of not, I mean, you could say dirty. They got a little bit of that reputation. And up until then, Nikola Jokic hasn't had anything like that. I don't think we talk enough about, because he's an MVP caliber player, what Jokic did in that. That was incredibly dangerous. This man has been suffering from whiplash, hasn't played a single game since he was, in my mind, brutally attacked while walking away. Markeith didn't see it coming. Like, it's one thing to, like, charge at a guy, push him down when you're face-to-face. 
Markeith was walking away. He didn't see it coming, still suffering from whiplash. He said that he's been saying that he's ready to play. The Miami Heat doctors have yet to clear him from his whiplash, so he hasn't been on the court. Jokic was ejected from that game. I believe he was suspended maybe one game. Yeah, I think Morris was suspended too. Yeah, yeah. And according to Miami Herald, Markeith may may end up missing the entire rest of the season because of this. Jokic, let's see. Jokic was assessed a flagrant two foul, later suspended for one game. Morris was fined $50,000. Oh, he wasn't suspended. So, to me, this is ridiculous, and I don't think we talk about it enough, how brutal of a play that was. To you might have done a move just out of anger, and to me, what Morris did wasn't even that bad. It was a hip check. It happens on almost every NBA game, and what Jokic did is completely out of the realm of what you should do as far as retaliation goes. It was ridiculous, and we don't talk about it enough because Jokic is an MVP caliber player. So technical foul for Nikola Jokic. Yeah, and going off of that, and I'm, I just kind of think back to the Grayson Allen play, Grayson Allen play and Alex Caruso. I think there needs to be uh, stricter penalties for these players that, like, Morris has been out three months. Three months. Almost. Yeah, three months. In two days, it'll be three months, yes. Alex Caruso is going to be out two months. Mm-hmm. And combined for the five months of basketball that's going to be missed by these, potentially more with Morris. Yeah, Morris can miss knows. the entire year, yeah. So it could be anywhere from five to eight months of missed basketball between two players. Um, there just there needs to be stricter fines because between those eight months, the guys that cause these egregious fouls, two games. Mm-hmm. There, there needs to be stricter penalties when players are missing this amount of time. No, I agree. And I think we all kind of brushed over what Jokic did. It was kind of a one-off thing. But in my mind, you know, if we're talking about dirty players, that pops up into my head now. In my mind, Jokic attacked a guy from behind after he felt that he was he was hard fouled. And that could cause a man to suffer from whiplash, which whiplash is not a fun condition to go through. And they could miss the entire season. And for Miami, he was, before he got hurt, he was like the second man off the bench. He was a key player. And we've had to go through the rest of the season without him in my mind because of a dirty play by Nikola Jokic. Mm-hmm. But that's all we have for you guys this week on the TM up podcast. We want to thank you guys all for listening, joining in and be sure to follow us along on all of our social media platforms for fun NBA content throughout the week. That's all we have. And thanks you all for listening. Make sure to share us with your family and friends.